The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Source of Truth podcast, where we take uh, one book of the Bible, go verse by verse, section by section, and look and see what it is that God would teach us Uh, from these things. It's intriguing, especially now as we're looking at an Old Testament passage. I've been reading in a book and taking a class, and the teacher made an interesting point on the fact that one of the things that people often rightfully say about the Old Testament is that much of the Old Testament is not written to us, uh, you know, it's written to the old. It's written Israel. It's written to give us to give history. It's not written to the church today. The argument is sometimes people stay away from teaching and studying the Old Testament uh, because we, you know, it's not written specifically to us. Much like the Book of Ephesians and those books were that are written to the church. Uh, but here's the thing: it might not be written to us, but all of the Bible is written for us. So while what we're looking at is really something that historically happened and it's a prophet and it's in Israel, uh, the application is massively powerful. So we do understand in proper interpretation of Scripture, there are sections of Scripture that have not been written to us for the cultural day, for the church, things of that nature, but there's something we can learn from everything, whether we're learning about God, talking about how God works. In this situation, that's what we're going to look at. Now, one of the things that I mentioned, what happens when you study the book of Jonah, is a lot of times what we do is we look at this and we see an angry God. I've read this, I've heard this stated, you know, Jonah is doing his own thing and God's just an angry God. And I'm like, we'll see, throwing him into a water, throwing, making the storm, putting him into a fish. Can I, can I make a suggestion that we need to understand something differently here? If we look at the book of Jonah and we see an angry God, then we stand behind Jonah from a very humanistic point of view. Jonah was not just a believer in God. He was a prophet, a called of God. He had, he had a higher calling on him, a higher expectation on him. And in that, sometimes what we do is we have a tendency to look at these things and say, how dare God? Well, how dare Jonah? Jonah was given specific instructions to do what it is he'd been called to do and what he agreed to do. And he's choosing to rebel against that. And I think in our culture today, if we're not careful, that's what we do. We feel like we have the right to rebel and how dare God. So maybe be very careful when we look at the passages uh, in Jonah. What you really see is a gracious God because Jonah's rebelling and God is using circumstances to bring Jonah back to where he needs to be. When we decide to rebel, when we decide to go against God, God can just be done with us. God can just end us. There's a lot of things he can do. God chooses through grace to love us back to where we need to be. Now, Jonah, we're going to see, it was pretty extreme, what was necessary, and we're going to see why. Because Jonah was pretty angry, and he wasn't going to give up on this. And so let's go ahead and jump in. Now, we get to the point, they're at the sea, they're in the middle of a storm. Uh, All the men are praying to their random false gods. Jonah's asleep. Jonah's comfortable because he'd rather die than solve this. We see his admit when he says, throw me in the sea. So he's fully aware of what's going on, and he's not doing anything to help. So then what happens in verse 10? Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. 
Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. So what you have is they come back to him. Now, they're, they're just assuming to them all gods are valid, maybe, however you want to see it, and they're praying to their gods. They come back to Jonah, and Jonah states, this is my fault. He said, obviously, at this point, I am, I am a prophet. I'm running from Jehovah God, and this entire storm is my fault. Throw me into the water. The problem we solved. Now, they didn't want to do this. They, you know, but here's the thing. They didn't want to do this. I want you to take into account what would happen. Uh, would they be put up for murder? They get a guy who pays a fare to take their boat from one spot to another, and they, somehow it gets out that they threw him overboard. Uh, I don't think that's going to go over well that they murdered one of the people who were paid to come. Uh, then the other thing is, your blood's going to be on our hand, and they're afraid of the supernatural aspect of what their gods would do or his god would do. Obviously, at this point, they recognize the power of his god because the storm, something they'd never seen before, this, this, the nature of the sea and the storm and everything that comes with it, is living in obedience to his god, which in itself helped them to recognize the reality of this god. So one of the things that's intriguing you see this is you do get to see the great power and almighty nature of God because these men, in spite of the fact, actually as a result of Jonah rebelling against God, Jehovah, these men got to see power. God's going to still work in our lives. He might even use our rebellion as a way to reach other people to him. But that is something we look at that God is constantly working and in us. And he'll even use our failures. He'll use our sin when he's working on us to help people recognize the power of God, the sovereignty of God, and the grace of God. Because this is God bringing this is having Jonah back to where he needs to be. Well, they don't want to do this. They're, they do what a lot of people do when they find the truth. What the world does today when they realize that Jesus is the only way. What do they do? They drop the oars in and they try harder. They try harder to get to shore. They've been given instructions. They know what's to do, but they don't want to do it. Now, in that situation, I can understand killing a man is kind of extreme. At least in that's mine, what's going to happen. Uh, but that's what happens today. What happens today is when we give an instruction, the world today is so quick to find any other way to do the opposite of what God's asked us to do. And it gets tiring, it's frustrating, because what they learned was, as they're doing this, the storm just got worse. It was literally, they came to, real, came to reality, this storm was living in obedience to God. So what happens at that point? Um, verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. Verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord. Notice this word Lord is in all caps. They're crying out to Jehovah, not a false God, but to Jehovah. And they said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done it as done as it pleased you. So they begged Jehovah, don't, don't take, don't put this blood on our hands. That's what they were afraid of for a valid reason. Please don't do this and don't, don't put this to our charge. We're doing what your prophets told us to do. This has been your choice. And then in verse 15, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. And so they take him and now we haven't even gotten to the point where this great fish, and we'll describe what that is, swallows him up. Uh, I know that people say it wasn't a whale because it's not a fish. We'll see in the New Testament later how it was a whale, but that's a, that's a different story. That's a different scenario right now. These men take him in an obedience and fear. Now, they're in a fear of Jehovah God. They're in fear of Jehovah God because they're seeing Jehovah work. This storm is obviously being directed. This is not random. And so they look at it and they recognize the power of God. And so they beg God for leniency. Do not put his blood on our hands and they throw Jonah in. Jonah's like, just got to do this. Now, my thinking was if Jonah really thought that that was the answer, why didn't he just jump out of the boat? I've always found it intriguing that Jonah knew the answer was for him to leave the boat. 
Why did he force these men to do it? I've always found that an intriguing question. I can't find anybody else really asking that question. I don't really have an answer to it. I just say that what I see is when we are running from God, there is just no logic. We said this a couple of episodes ago. When we run from God, we tend to place a lot of weight on other people. And that's what's happening. A lot of weight on other people. We heard other people in many scenarios. We wait for other people to make the right decision. Jonah could have just jumped off the boat, probably would have solved it. It wasn't, there was nowhere required they did this, but that's what happened. They threw him off and then the seat. Now I want you to picture this. You got to picture how dark, I mean the darkest of storms, lightning is the only thing that's lighting up the, cloud, the sky. And when it lights up, you see these ominous clouds right on top of them, waves going over top of the boat. They're soaking wet, they're cold. The boat's being thrown around. They're seeing waves like they'd never seen before. No, no Hollywood movie can depict the, the extreme nature of this storm. They are fearful for their life. They throw him into this absolutely horrendous storm and immediately the storm's gone. I mean, you imagine it, poof, clouds gone, sun's out. The, the sea calms out and it's like glass. The only thing making waves is Jonah. Can you imagine what it must have been like for men to have seen and been around the ocean or the sea like they have to watch this happen. And it, what we see here is a feared Lord. Now notice, fear the Lord. Jehovah exceedingly offered sacrifices and took vows. They were, they were recognized and turned to the true and almighty God. Their gods could do nothing, but this is a true God. Even in rebellion, God can use us for him. He will, because God's going to accomplish. We, sometimes we get this idea that, well, we'll just you know, manipulate. We're not going to do it, and God's going to have to work with it. God's still going to make his will get known. He's still almighty. He's not limited to us. And here's the catch. Not only did he ultimately bring revival to Nineveh, these men got to meet Jehovah God as well. Uh, God's going to work even in our rebellion. And so I would just go back to the sovereignty of God, recognize this. What God is doing here is not an angry God, how dare you. It's a gracious God calling Jonah back to where he needs to be. And sometimes the storms in our life, they are God calling us back. They're God getting our attention. They're God trying to help us recognize that what we're going through is wrong. Where we're going is wrong. And only a loving person is going to stop someone from going the wrong direction. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Only someone who loves you will stop you from going the wrong direction. The world is all about whatever you want to do, it's fine. And they let you go into the things that might kill you, but they love you. They do not. All right? they, they don't want to offend you. They don't love you. A loving person will bring you back. A loving God will always bring us back because being in the center of his will is where we are happiest, most fulfilled, uh, better for people around us, and where we can have the greatest amount of peace in our life. We do appreciate the time you've given us today to be part of your day. Greatly appreciate it. Hope you uh, encouraged by this, but challenged as you evaluate your walk with God as well. We do appreciate the time together and hope you join us again next time.